Welcome to a special end of 2016 Tougher Minds podcast where we're looking back on the last year. We're talking about the year ahead and discussing one or two notable features of recent times that have a, a bearing and a relation to mental performance and well-being and resilience and more besides. I'm joined by Tougher Minds founder and managing director, Dr. John Finn, by Tougher Minds head of education, Andrew Foster, and by Professor Jim McKenna, consultant to Tougher Minds, and of course, from Leeds Beckett University. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, great to talk to you. Um, I think we can start then by looking backwards, as it were, um, looking back at 2016 as we approach the year end. Um, and one of the most recent developments, John, for Tougher Minds, I'll ask you, first of all, um, the release of a, a new specific website for business and with it, uh, a, a new approach and some new programs uh, for resilience skills in business. Yeah, we know that uh, managing stress has probably never been more important for businesses. Um, I think it was a big IT company said that they've, I think they've saved a million pounds by just um, raising awareness about stress management strategies with their employees. Um, and we've been working in that, in that sector for a while now both with the remit of helping people to manage stress, but also to be more productive. We have more interruptive lives than ever. Um, we increasingly work with clients from the city of London, and we felt that having um, a specific website that showcased our work within the business context would be very useful. Um, so, yeah, we've been working on that over a number of, of months using things that we've developed like our Elite Business Athlete Program, our Bite Size Resilience uh, Programs to um, show, show uh, businesses and their employees some simple and practical ideas about how they can um, get better at, at managing stress and, and being more productive. So, yeah, we're very excited about that. And, you know, already we're actually getting clients uh, from, the, from the back of that. So, obviously, a great need and, and demand for those services. The, the website's called resilienceskillsforbusiness.co.uk. Uh, it's up there now. You can see it, resilienceskillsforbusiness.co.uk. Uh, John, also, you've um, modified slightly, I believe, the, uh, the, the type of courses and services and programs that Tougher Minds offers. Just a, a quick word about uh, the, the different options that anyone ha might have who is interested in working with Tougher Minds. Yeah, we're trying to give people the whole range from business big keynote events so that if they just want to um, help employees to understand about a certain theme, maybe about their brain a little bit more and how they can change habits and, and behaviours to, to, to be more helpful, we, we can provide that service all the way through to much longer term programmes so we can really work with people in an in-depth way, providing both one-to-one sessions and also workshop based sessions working through our curriculum looking at areas like how to boost motivation how to manage confidence how to concentrate more effectively helping people to understand more about their brains and how habits are formed and really working with them over a period of time that allow new habits to be developed so yeah we've got a whole range of, of, of new uh, programs for business Jim, as someone who's um, worked not only with tougher minds but in the area of, of lifestyle, as it were, how how significant do you feel this now is a factor in in, in business and broader society? I suppose these sorts yeah, of challenges and issues. 
Yeah, we, we know that resilience is an immense challenge now because there's so many uh, ways of becoming inattentive uh, and to become overwhelmed. Uh, and so what, what the, the programs are really all about, resilience is about the speed of your recovery. It's, it's not to stop people getting knocked back. Uh, but these these are the core skills that help people to get back on track. And I think it's really, really important that more and more people learn these skills, um, refine them and make them very productive in their context. So the, the skills are generic, but they have to be refined. And that's what they're learning or what people are learning through these programs. And what what might you know, what, what benefit might people see in just in their everyday life, in their daily existence, if they were more resilient and understood how they could engage in this type of mental management, if you want to call it that? Well, one of the things that we see when people uh, are short on resilience skills is they lose large parts of the day by being overwhelmed by whatever the events of the day are. Uh, when we see people who've got high resilience skills, they're able to compartmentalize mentalize those to see what the essential element is so the emotional content of that becomes more managed uh, and they get back on track better so in a typical working day if you said it was eight hours instead of losing two to being bothered and anxious about something you retain those two hours so you you spend more time doing what you want to do and um i i suppose it's worth bringing you in at this point, Andrew, because I've clearly uh, a big crossover between Tougher Minds education and business programs. But um, I imagine in your role as a, as a teacher, that's like the education business, as it were. Um, this type of approach um, not only has the, the positive effect and benefit we've seen for pupils in terms of performance and well-being, but for, for teachers and practitioners as well. Absolutely, Andrew. Um, we should never, as teachers, we should should be mindful that we, we never stop having the opportunity to learn and we've got to keep going with these things ourselves. I found it really helpful uh, when speaking with pupils, also with working with uh, teachers, with parents, to be able to you know, give examples of how I've used stuff of my techniques myself and uh, exactly like Jim says, it, it's, it, it doesn't uh, mean that you become uh, little Mr. or Miss Perfect. You have to keep persevering and it's about getting back on the horse that bit quicker and getting that cumulative uh, benefit over the, over the course of uh, the challenges that you're up against. OK, well, um, we can expect uh, hopefully people to have a look at that over the perhaps the, the forthcoming um, holiday period. And uh, by all means, um, send a question in on Twitter if you have uh, any queries about the, the type of services Tougher Minds offer. Uh, at Tougher Minds is where you'll find uh, the consultancy on Twitter and resilienceskillsforbusiness.co.uk uh, is the new website. So please do uh, take a moment to check that out. Um, other highlights of 2016 for Tougher Minds have, have clearly been the, the continuing successful work in, in education. Uh, most recently, um, uh, the 12th of December at Greenwich University, um, you staged uh, another successful event for parents, again for parents uh, of children in two age groups, those facing GCSEs and A-levels, and then those around, let's call it the 11-plus age group, um, who may indeed be facing those type of entrance exams in certain parts of the country and in certain education authorities, and, and at that age as well, transitioning 
from a junior school environment to a senior school environment. So, so tell us a bit about that, John, first of all, if you would, about the, the event at Greenwich University and how that went. Yes, um, an opportunity for people, uh, parents and pupils who don't come to schools that run to for minds programmes to engage in, in what we offer. And I think the takeaway in terms of feedback people gave is that they got a lot of simple and practical ideas that they can start to use both to um, improve well-being and also secure resilience, but not the be-all and end-all in education, but also to, to get better exam results as well, which is often what we're trying to target um, when, when we're at school. So lots of happy customers and, and lots of other opportunities, you know, coming off the back of that. Um, got quite an exciting corporate social responsibility programme coming off the back of that work which you can't disclose just yet, but um, it looks like that will be coming off um, in 2017. So, you know, people see the need for this approach and they recognise that they don't get it as part of uh, a normal school education. Um, you know, so that's, that's that's really good that, you know, we're able to help so many people with simple and practical ideas, maybe common sense ideas supported by good science, but things that people aren't typically doing. Uh, as part of their day-to-day lives. And Andrew, um, you've been part of, of several of these type of events before also. Um, it must be uh, interesting for you, I suppose, as someone who began their career as a teacher, maybe having less contact with parents, I imagine. I don't know, that might not be right, but this this really is a new dimension, a new offer for, for families, I suppose. Absolutely. Um constant refrain that we're getting from parents is it, it just makes so much sense and yet we didn't get it in school when we were uh, 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 when, when we were children and to be honest most most children are at schools uh, I would say pretty much every child who's at a school where tough minds uh, isn't in the school they're not getting explicitly taught how to manage their confidence their concentration and their motivation as a matter of course so it was brilliant that evening at university of greenwich and other uh, events that we've done to be able to give these young people who are very keen to do well the opportunity uh, to learn how to manage their concentration how to manage their motivation and their confidence just as, as no one will tell you those things aren't important and yet 99% of schools are not explicitly teaching uh, their pupils how to manage them. Well, another uh, feature, successful feature of the year in education for Tougher Minds, of course, has been the uh, successful work that's been ongoing with uh, schools in both the fee-paying and, and state sector. Um, uh, most notably, perhaps, uh, St Bede's and St Joseph's Catholic College in Bradford in West Yorkshire, uh, a real flagship project and a, and a successful one at that. Um, that's um, resulted in some in some regional publicity as well and, and a lot of recognition. Just just tell us, for anyone who's not quite familiar with that, uh, again, starting with you, Andrew, uh, the, the, the headline uh, remarks for, from that particular project and that particular piece of work. Yeah, Andrew, um, the St. Bees and St. Joseph programme, it's, it's been really pleasing for everyone involved. Uh, we started working with uh, the pupils in, and the parents and the uh, 
staff involved in that programme uh, just after January, start this year, and the progress that those pupils made in the time that we saw them was was just remarkable. These were uh, these were people who who up to that point weren't perhaps fulfilling their uh, potential at school, and the more that I worked with them, the more that they started to open up and say, hey, you know, there's potentially in other areas that they could they could make more of. And that was a really pleasing thing. Yeah, the exam results, that's the headline, that's going to catch the eye, and they were fantastic. But on top of that, there's all sorts of benefits in terms of how they're, they're just getting on better with their mums and dads, how they're uh, pursuing their sport, um, making time to see their friends and putting the Xbox away for a, for a bit of time. Um, those are real benefits as well, even if they, they don't fit on a spreadsheet just as easily as the exam results. So it's really pleasing. It fits with our core message of it's, it, performance is important, but health and happiness uh, are crucial too. Well, sounds like uh, good, good news for... Everyone, but bad news for Microsoft, but never mind about that. <laughs> Microsoft Xbox, of course, uh, <laughs> if you didn't quite get the reference. But, John, um, the, the, the successful work at St. Bees is uh, just one of a number of schools, as I said, and, and you're now seeing an increased demand and an increased level of inquiry from schools in the state and private sector to, to work with tougher minds, I understand. Yeah, we're working on more schools than other. I think the need to offer young people simple and practical strategies that allow them to um, take more control over their development, over their progress. Um, you know, we're very good at teaching young people subject-specific ideas in schools, but not necessarily broad, transferable, what we're starting to call fundamental life skills. Um, and we're seeing that teenagers seem to be struggling more with an inability to, to manage themselves more than ever before. I think the onset of, uh, of, of such great access to, to mobile technology, to social media, is, is a big problem there. We've got some, prove, uh, some proven and, and, and tried strategies that help people to deal with this more effectively. We've got a program that helps people to boost well-being, to be more resilient, but also actually to get better grades in, in every subject they're studying. And beyond that, to do better in things outside of school, because the, the skills they're getting from tougher minds are transferable. And more and more schools are seeing uh, the evidence and being compelled to, to buy into the programme themselves. Well, it's uh, all been a, a very busy, successful and uh, very exciting year for you, I'm sure, in the, in the education sphere. And uh, I've no doubt 2017 is set to be equally as um, as busy and as vibrant and as successful for Tougher Minds. So uh, it was great to, to look back on uh, 2016 in that way, gents. Um, something that's happened away from specifically Tougher Minds in recent times, but is itself also a part of a, a look back at past events, is, of course, the BBC's Sports Personality of the Year. It used to be called Sports Review in days gone by, I think, but... Now, now called Sports Personality of the Year. And this year, 2016, won for the third time by current world number one tennis star Andy Murray um, and uh, winner of a, an Olympic gold medal at the Rio Olympics and, of course, uh, a Wimbledon winner as well. So uh, a stellar year 
Randy Murray. Um, and really, the moment at which he reached the, the world number one status was a very significant in British sport and in British tennis. And I think uh, members of the public recognise that. And he won the popular vote. Worth remembering, it's a popular vote nowadays. Um, and uh, won that very coveted title, the Sports Personality of the Year. Second um, was the triathlete Alistair Brownlee. And third, the, uh, I think we could call him, evergreen uh, equestrian rider um, Nick Skelton. So he had some pretty stiff competition against some fairly compelling candidates. But yeah, Andy Murray prevailed. And I know all of you, uh, John, Jim and Andrew, believe that... Uh, Andy Murray is quite a, a fitting and appropriate example to cite in the context of uh, people when people are thinking about resilience and self-improvement and developing their own well-being and their own mental management, if you like. Uh, that, that Andy Murray has a Andy Murray's story is something people can can learn a lot from. Um, I wonder if, if Jim, you could start us off by giving your impression, giving us your impressions uh, of what you can take. From, from Andy Murray's rise to uh, this, this exalted position now? Well, one of the most important things to take from that story is how long it takes to rise to the top. Uh, he's persisted with setbacks, not winning, not fulfilling potential as people might have it. Uh, he's made good changes in and around himself in terms of who's helping him off court. Uh, I think he's responded extremely well to the emotional demands when he's got close to winning, he's become much more uh, in control of his emotional regulation, uh, both on court and off court. Uh, it doesn't break down crying all the time anymore when he gives a, uh, an interview after. Uh, and I think there's a very substantial thing that's gone on in his life beyond the tennis is that he's become a dad. Uh, and that's a very important. It gives people a strong sense of purpose when you buy in on things like that. Uh, and he, he can see a bigger meaning. And whenever you find big meaning in something, uh, the hassles of, of what drive other people up the wall become way, way easier to handle. So having a big meaning, what we would call a big, hairy, audacious goal, he now wants to be a great dad, that makes everything else much easier. And there's a really important lesson for us all there to keep our focus on the big meaning. Uh, John, uh, someone who's been involved in, in specific uh, sports performance work as well as uh, your work with Tougher Minds earlier on in your career, specifically in football, but I'm sure it transfers to other sports too. What's your take on Andy Murray's development and the sort of processes and growth that Jim's just outlined? Well, I think, yeah, to focus in on, on the beginning of Murray's career, where he was written off and people approached him with a very fixed mindset. It's interesting, actually, at the moment that, um, India are just being walloped. Uh, sorry, England are being walloped in India uh, in the cricket, and the sort of the commentators are talking about how some of the young guys who are essentially playing playing their first Test matches, um, what their chances are of, of of having a very successful Test career. You know, some of the guys have been written off very quickly. What they can do now does not predict what they can do in the future what they practice between now and the future will predict what they can do in the future. And this is, um, you know, it's the myth of, of, of talent, isn't it? Is that, you know, Andy Murray, if he was going to be uh, able to be the best tennis player in the, in, in the world, then he, he should have shown those qualities when he was 21. But what we're seeing now is it doesn't work like that. If we're going to be the best, it's about progression, 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 progression. And, it, and it, some people just can't tolerate the sort of effort that that takes. Whereas, you know, Murray has, has risen above 
of that quite dramatically um, because it's very hard to do. And it, it wasn't just um, one area of his game that he had to uh, develop in order to secure becoming the best tennis player in the world in an era where there are some, you know, possibly it's the most competitive era to be the best tennis player in the world. There are a number of different areas, both physiologically and, and psychologically. Uh, you know, and again, there's a notion that you just can't learn how to be mentally tough. Well, Murray's showing that you can. And in fact, Eddie Jones is he's, he's blowing that trumpet at the moment as well, the England coach, and talking about how he's making the England rugby union team mentally tough. I think it's just a, it's a fantastic story. You know, Dweck talks about the growth mindset, fixed mindset. And, and we have a real-life example here in, in Andy Murray. And um, it's a great message for young people. What you can do now does not predict what you can do in the future how you practice and what you practice in between now and the future will predict what you can do in the future. So very interesting. And Andrew, as uh, not only uh, someone who works in tougher minds, but also still um, in, in a teaching role and specifically uh, in a, in a, in a sports coaching role with, with, uh, with school pupils. Um, I understand you've also had an opportunity to try to really practically implement uh, that, that kind of approach in a, in a sporting context. If you want to fulfil your potential or help other people fulfil their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book because you deserve to know the truth. The most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfil our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habits Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. That's absolutely right, Andrew. I, um, I, with, with the rugby teams that I've coached, it, it became pretty clear that what, what those players are thinking is is as important as what they are doing. In fact, it has a massive impact on, on what they're doing. So that ability to to regulate their emotions, to, to harness them when they're useful and to to respond when they're not is absolutely key. I thought it was interesting that Andy Murray mentioned when he was accepting the award that now that he's a dad, the um, you know, he goes home uh, after a defeat and it doesn't seem like the biggest thing in the world anymore and that he thinks that's been beneficial. That's, that's interesting because it's certainly something that we had to instill into the, into the players, the habit of not allowing themselves to be overwhelmed by setbacks, um, thinking, right, what's, what's positive? Uh, how can we take things forward? So, so yeah, a big life-changing event. And like parenthoods can have a positive impact. But what I've seen is that you can explicitly teach young people how to, to manage themselves and reduce the impact of these setbacks upon them 
allow them to be more successful, first of all, in the sports field, which is great in itself, but then they can uh, transfer that to other aspects of their life too. And that's really pleasing. I just wonder, John, to, to close off this, this little segment about Andy Murray, would you, uh, would you bestow on him a Tougher Minds title, if you like, a Tougher Minds award as the, not world number one tennis player, but world number one at uh, practice and preparation and dedication, something like that? Um, I think Djokovic is not bad either, and we'll see what happens in his career going forwards. Um, you know, and, and Nadal, I think maybe his, his body's let him down a little bit, but I think all those guys at, at the top, they've got these skills. Um, they might have different names and titles for them, but they've learned how to how to do how to you know manage themselves and regulate themselves. Um, and I think they've they've typically found a personal coach that's allowed them to do that. What we're offering is a, is a framework that works across contexts, across ability groups. Um, you know, a, 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 an insight into these areas that that Murray's been able to conquer for the, for the moment and, and Djokovic certainly been able to conquer previously that everybody can use um, so yeah I certainly think he deserves some award I don't know if I give it all to him just yet we'll see where he's at this time next year but yeah he's done well <laughs> very good very interesting stuff well a, a key component uh, anyone who's been listening to the first 25 minutes or so of this podcast um, uh, something we've mentioned with uh, great regularity is the word well-being and um, I want to come on now to talk about that in greater detail because uh, it does seem to be growing in prominence, more people recognising its its uh, power, its importance, its relevance in modern society. Uh, and again, it's a key component of Tougher Minds programmes in education and in business. Um, and John, if you would just give us um, an overview of how Tougher Minds sets out um, its understanding and its, its, its reference uh, when it comes to well-being? Well, we, we're beginning by, the first thing we're asking people to do is, is get their sleep, their diet, their exercise right. We know that all, all three of those things uh, contribute to better function in the hippocampi area of the brain, which is responsible for producing new brain cells. Um, new brain cells seems to be pretty vital for lots of important things that we do. Maybe surprisingly, they're very important for managing stress because maybe they, if, if you have a challenging situation you're facing uh, and you have lots of new brain cells to, to manage that challenge, you can think about the challenging situation in quite a flexible way. You don't get stuck in the rut. You don't get stuck in a, in a negative thinking loop. So sleep down exercise is where we start. And then, you know, we're trying to help people to pay attention to things that are helpful for them, ultimately. Um and we call that hack helpful attention control. And all our strategies are feeding back into the ideas of, of getting your attention onto what is helpful for you. So really from our perspective, and, and you know, there are three components to, to, to our outcomes, which are health, happiness, and performance. We're trying to use our, our, our sleep, diet, and exercise and, and our, our brain hack strategies to help people to get that, that health and happiness foundation. So that's some of the, the insights and language that we use in our programmes. And Jim, it's perhaps something people might not immediately have clicked or realised or thought of, that this, there is this, this connection between a, a good lifestyle and good mental performance. People might have even disassociated the two in the past. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that, that's very much the case, Andrew. Uh, what we understand is, is that the body affects the mind uh, and that in a very nice little neat feedback loop uh, is that the mind affects the body. So we need to be addressing both those mechanisms. Uh, if we want the body to function well, we need to think about our minds. And if we want our minds to function well, we need to think about our bodies. So th there's an inevitable loop here. Uh, and if you think you can do one without the other, you're wrong and you're going to get into trouble. And again, you, you, as someone who's, who's worked not only with tougher minds, but in the, the broader lifestyle education sphere, um, yeah. how, how, how easy is it for people to, to make small changes and, and make, do practical things which, which deliver results for them in this area, would you say? Yeah, I think you've... You've really hit the nail on the head there, Andrew, with, with easy and small, uh, because th those are things we can sustain. The, the challenges in behavior change when we try to do something big is, is it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the scale of what we're trying to do. So if you start with small and stay with small and keep doing those things, you're starting to get a real understanding of how, how you're rewiring your own brain. Uh, and that's building from... Uh, from ordinary behavior into routines, and those routines then have a chance of becoming habits, which makes them reasonably easy to do. You know, it doesn't cost you very much to do those sorts of things. Uh, and that's what we're looking for all the time. How can you make something you want to have happen but doesn't? How can you make that easier to do so it becomes what you do routinely? So an example we would have with students, as an example, or pupils, is how can you study more? How can you read more in a day? Well, don't try and do two hours in one go. Build it up over 10-minute blocks. So that's a nice, simple, easy kind of way of dealing with things. And we're looking at those kind of strategies all the time so that people can satisfy their own needs. Uh, and that makes them really good self-coaches. And that's where we're heading. And Andrew, uh, Jim's alluded there to a very practical uh, method of, of, of delivery or a, a, a practical routine people can implement in an education context. And um, again, obviously working with John uh, in, in the first early stages of developing um, Tougher Minds program at Colve School, uh, where, where you were head of GCSE performance, um, you've seen that, uh, that type of effect You've seen the type of effect that that type of change can have, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's a, it's a whole well-being story. It's been really pleasing with older um, pupils, students, I might say, in sixth form. Um, currently, the focus, there's on year seven pupils, and they are, they are showing a greater awareness of not just the need to address sleep, diet and exercise, but practical techniques to to successfully do that than, than you see amongst many adults. You know, uh, it's, it's brilliant to hear 11, 12-year-old boys and girls coming in and saying, I realised I wasn't getting enough sleep. Uh, I realised that my diet wasn't great. I realised that uh, I was wasn't getting exercise like I should do in the regular way that I should do. And I did this about it, and now I feel I feel a lot better. Because we absolutely want them to go on and perform in, uh, in terms of academics, in terms of uh, their extracurricular activities. But the crucial thing is that they are, they are happy. They're happy now and that they're happy in the future. And that's what 
tougher minds helps them with, helps them do things that are uh, going to help them be happier in the course of the next day or the next week. And it also helps them to do the things that they might not feel like in the moment, but are going to result in them having more happy, more fulfilled lives uh, as you know they they go into adulthood. So yeah, it's just been a fantastic thing to be involved in. And John, just again to close off on on the the, the, the discussion of well-being, uh, we, we've I think successfully established then that it's this it's this lifestyle framework that Tougher Mind shows people and guides people towards a sleep diet and exercise, um, and then from that uh, a foundation to build on. Um, but in the same way that you're you're fielding more inquiries and and uh, getting more contact from from schools. In, in all sectors of education, uh, it's fair to say I believe that, that well-being is a bit of a key word and a buzzword that you're hearing from, from biz, the business world as well when they make contact with you. Yeah, exactly that. And there was a story on the BBC website today showing that one of the biggest computer companies in the world stated they think they've saved about a million pounds a year by giving their employees stress, stress management workshops in absenteeism. Uh, you know the saying in business, you know, in high-performing businesses, what what got what got you here last year, what got you here this year? You know, no one's making any more hours in the day. So, in order to keep our performance at an upward trajectory, we've got to take care of our well-being. We've got to take care of our sleep, our diet, our exercise. But we don't in the Western world. You know, we're deprived in in well, we're not doing any any one of those three areas particularly well. It seems if we look at the big data. So, yeah, definitely a big need. And I think that if we call it stress management, that's also problematic as well. And what businesses really like about tougher minds is tougher minds, the, the term, but also, you know, resilience and resilience training. Um, and I think, yeah, it's very of the time, this idea. And I, I can only see more people um, buying into the idea of, of needing to do this because they see the benefits of their colleagues. You know, and, and people see benefits of this very quickly. Um, within after you know an hour and a half session, they'll come back uh, the week after and tell you, "Yep, I just tried this thing and it just made so much of, a, of an impact on, on my on my working day." Um, also, outside of the work context, Andrew, and, and but connects to the work is, is, is family life. And again, what businesses see is their middle managers who are getting more and more responsibility in the workplace. Also, they're also the age where their families are get are extending. So essentially, your middle management is getting squeezed in 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 the business sector, certainly in places like the city. So again, these these skills are, are more are needed more than ever, and especially if we look at the the teenage story around well being and stress management, that seems to be very problematic at the moment. So if you're a if you're a parent and also a middle manager, you've got this, all the pressures from home. And, and the, the problem that you, your children might be facing, then also you've got that in the work with the people that you're managing and what their families might be facing, and you are literally getting squeezed. So you need some simple and practical skills to help you to manage you know, through these difficulties. And, and we have a very compelling solution. Yes, well, a reminder that uh, you can see um, details of, uh, of all Tougher Minds' work and its programmes on the three websites that are now live. Tougherminds.co.uk is the main website. Then there is a specific resilience skills website for families and business. 
resilienceskillsforfamilies.co.uk and resilienceskillsforbusiness.co.uk, two distinct separate websites there, very much worth checking out and having a look at to get uh, a broad idea and uh, make contact with Tougher Minds. You can also, of course, follow Tougher Minds on Twitter, just very simply, at Tougher Minds is the Twitter handle. Well, to conclude uh, the podcast, gentlemen, um, we're going to ask uh, you to uh, to help people look ahead to 2017 as we approach the end of the year. You just uh, mentioned, John, uh, what got you here. <laughs> this year won't do the same next year, so uh, let's try and help people. Um, I wonder if we could ask you to provide... Uh, uh, one tip for, for, for people, one tip each perhaps, um, or maybe you have more than one if you do, great. Um, so tips then for people um, that they can perhaps put into action or prepare or start to think about over the uh, the, the holiday break, the Christmas holiday break that's uh, coming for many people um, and uh, how they can get themselves ready to uh, be better in 2017, whatever they do. And, and let's let's kick things off with you, Jim. Uh, I think the one recommendation I would offer uh, is for people to focus on the successes that they've had rather than recording failure. It's very easy to remember that on January the 1st, you didn't go to the gym. But actually, it'd be far better that if you said, I went for a walk 10 minutes in the morning, well done, record that, and then have a walk in the afternoon for another 10 minutes, record that. And it doesn't matter that you didn't go to the gym. It's focus on what you've done well. And the more days you do, do that the better it is and don't worry about the failures keep going back to what you, you can be successful at so perhaps over oh if you've got some slack time then over the uh, over the christmas period uh, look back at 2016 and think what you've done well absolutely yeah we, we, we thrive off reward that that's what's really important and the more we focus on what we're no good at the worse it gets for us. We get into a downward spiral. What we're trying to do is build upward spirals for ourselves. It's our responsibility to be our personal best. And sometimes circumstances aren't that great, but we can still do something. So even if it is just five minute blocks of walking, that still counts. John, um, what, what, would your, what would your tip or tips be for people? Well, I'm going to build on Jim's point. Um, and I think that reflecting back into 2016 and just writing down three things that you did really well that might not have noticed otherwise but if you're committed to paper you're really making your brain pay attention to it um so yeah it's an extension of jim's point but think about the, the things that you've done well um over over 2016 even if the outcomes haven't been what you wanted you know, reflect on the effort you've put in as well but write some things down Otherwise, your eight brain will, will dominate your thinking. And perhaps maybe, I, I know you have spoken extensively in the past about the, the, the Tougher Minds Performance Planner in various contexts, and, and um, that in some ways is a far more sophisticated version of, of, of this kind of self-watching that you've described. Um, but is it perhaps worth also considering something that you might want to work on to improve is that is that a, a component of that could that be an accompaniment to, to positively with weighted reflection as you call it yeah if you can get three things that have gone well then you can write down something to work on if you can't think of anything that's gone well and don't write down something you want to improve on otherwise you might overwhelm yourself but but yeah three to one is, is a good ratio um you know it's good to have the goal as well and the, the the holiday period that's coming up is a great time to reflect on on 
on the old and, and what you might want to achieve in, in the new year. So this is a good, it's a good time to do both. But again, commit them to paper because that's going to help us to both um, really appreciate the, the helpful things, but also work on uh, gives a better chance to work towards the thing that we've identified to work on if it's written down nice and specifically. And Andrew, how would uh, how would you characterise this 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 opportunity to uh, to think about doing things better or or, or um, uh, an opportunity to use um, a tip or a technique over this period? What would you what would you contribute? I suppose one of the most important things I've learned through working with Tougher Minds, being now being a uh, you know the head of education for Tougher Minds, is we need to think about habit because that's um, how things change in the long term is by changing our, our habits. A lot of people go into 2017 with a lot of good intentions and some, some really uh, good aims. Uh, they might well have uh, uh, reflected well, but then they don't have a plan to make those aims, those new behaviours, a habit. So thinking hard about... Um, when this new behaviour is going to take place, how often, who, who's it going to take place with? Uh, you know, are there other people who can help us build this habit? Um, what the foreseeable challenges are? And then at the end of January, perhaps going, well, what have I learned about um, how this works in practice? What's getting in the way? How can I persevere and keep going until these, these skills that we're practising um, become habits, become things that we, we do without them needing a great deal of energy, effort, willpower from us, just becomes part of our normal behaviour, part of our habit. So how can we build habits would be my uh, key thing to, well, a key thing that I'm going to be thinking about myself and uh, anyone listening to this, they're uh, welcome to do that too. Well, gentlemen, uh, a fascinating uh, 40 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight. Uh, great to look back at some of the positives for Tougher Minds during 2016 and also fantastic to look ahead uh, with such um, already renewed vigour uh, to 2017 <laughs> and uh, talk about some of the ways in which people can approach the year with, with confidence to uh, improve and perform better and feel better, uh, whatever they're involved in. Uh, thank you very much again for listening and uh, we hope to see you and hear from you again in 2017.